All right. We are live. Uh, thank you, everyone, who's joining us. Uh, welcome to the Here and Apologetic Show. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Gary Habermas. Uh, the show is presented by you, by your support at patreon.com slash adhere and apologetics. Uh, in case you don't know who Dr. Habermas is, but you probably do. He's a distinguished research professor at Liberty University of Apologetics and uh, Philosophy. He's most well known for his work on the resurrection of Jesus, but today we're going to be talking about uh, NDEs and wh what's going on there. So, Dr. Habermas, thank you for joining me. How are you doing? Doing all right. Enjoying interviews and hoping people enjoy them just as much. For sure. I appreciate you joining me. So we'll just jump right into this. Can you talk a little bit about like what got you interested? Like what what's your experience when you first started studying NDEs and what got you interested in them? Well, I started um, I started studying them about, uh, well, way before you were born. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um I started studying NDEs in the early 1970s, and I've kept it up. It's probably second only to the resurrection for the topics I've done the most research on. Okay. Uh, so what got you interested in studying NDEs? Well, when you spend your life studying the resurrection, and I'd already been studying the resurrection for years when I happened on to near-death experiences. <clears throat> you realize that from a Christian viewpoint, the reason you study the resurrection so much is because you're interested in the afterlife. You're interested in, you know, does anything exist for eternity and, and what's it like? So while I was studying the resurrection, and of course in the New Testament, the uh, resurrection of Jesus is tied to the resurrection of believers almost 20 times. So the, the, there's a direct relation between the resurrection and eternal life. So when the NDEs started, uh, you know, making waves, I thought, well, that, that might be an independent trail to afterlife studies. So that got me going. It's sort of an extension of resurrection studies. Hmm. So the concept of the afterlife. So for someone who has no idea what like a near-death experience is. Can you just talk a little bit about like when you talk about studying NDEs, what specifically are you referring to? Well, NDE is short for near-death experience. There are some cases of people who have near-death experiences before any crisis. Like um, there have been a few reports of you know, being dri driving in a car, and just before your car collides with another car, where you have that instant feeling we're going to hit, uh, they would get e ejected from their body and watch the accident from up above, and then they would go back in their body. So they, it seems like there are different things that can quote unquote eject bodies. At least, at least perception of ejecting, being ejected of bodies. But by, the, by far the most near-death experiences are experiences from which it would be a good guess that the person is going to die if things continue as they are. In other words, intervention is needed to keep the person from dying. Hmm. Okay. So 
could you talk a little bit, uh, j just to frame it, um, could you talk a little bit about like some NDEs that you see that you that are very well documented? Um, so just give a couple, one or two examples of well documented NDEs that we've seen and that you could find, someone could look up and find if they wanted to in, in the literature. Yeah, the, the, the kind of uh, NDEs that I'm most interested in, uh, almost exclusively interested in, are kinds where while the person claims to be out of their body, sometimes with measurement, for example, in surgery, you can tell if the person flatlines or if you have a cardiac arrest of a certain species, there's more than one species. If you have a cardiac arrest of a certain species, your heart stops. That's what cardiac arrest means. Your heart stops. Well, they know now that 15 to 30 seconds later, the measurable brain activity stops. So after 30 seconds, you would have no measurable heart for the most part. I mean, we're talking generalities and probabilities here, but but uh, you would have no measurable heart and no measurable brain. And in that state, they often re report things like uh, what their wife or husband is doing um, three rooms away in a house or where their family is seated in another floor of the hospital during the surgery and they report conversations that went out of the room there are things that are more particular than that too where people report numbers that they see around the room or something that are later verified but they know it came after the the uh, process because where the numbers are located and also because if they have the machines hooked up they can tell that they quote unquote flatlined Mm. So do you have like, for a skeptic who's listening to this and may have like, a, maybe like skeptical that these things happen, do you have like an example in scientific literature that you could point at and be like, here's an example of something that even skeptical people would accept as sort of an end in the near-death experience? Sure. First of all, just to show you something, I just happen to have this book sitting on my desk. This is one of the latest books. It's called... The Science of Near-Death Experiences. Now, notice the word science is there. So a lot of skeptics are going to say, this is not science, it's mythology. Well, okay. This book is published by University of Missouri Press. So it's published by a secular university press. And every one of these articles appeared in a medical journal. So all of these have been published in a medical journal. And they start out by estimating that in North America alone, up to 21 million people claim to have had near-death experiences in North America alone. So when people say, oh, there's no such world, or you want me to believe in Narnia, or Middle Earth, or the Oz, uh, and nobody's ever been there except in the movies, that you can say, well, according to this survey, up to 21 million Americans claim to have been there. So you're just one of the unlucky ones that didn't get a look, you know? But if you're talking about actual cases, there's a book called The Self Does Not Die, and in the book, there's over 100 evidenced NDEs. One of them is a gal perceives herself up above her body looking down, but on top of one of the medical machines in the room is a number, like the kind of numbers that are riveted on the machine so they can keep track of the machines in the hospital. 
and there was a 12-digit number. When she came to, she said, she said, I'm OCD, and I memorize large numbers when I see them. And here's the number. And she told the nurse, she said, uh, get out a pen and paper real fast. Now, she had just, she'd just been revived. And she said, here's the 12-digit number. And she read the number off. Well, sometime later, they were moving this machine out of the room, and they had a guy get up on a ladder to check the number out, and the 12-digit number was exactly correct. Um, a couple times, coins have been thrown up on the rafters. One of them was a 1982 quarter. Now, you might say, well, yeah, but you know it's gonna, a quarter is going to be somewhere between 1980 and 2020. But that's still, that's still 40 years for either a 19 or a 20, and then 40 years from those last two numbers, which could be anything. And uh, so even a few numbers like that are fairly evidential. Another one in that book, um, a person was having surgery, and they said they were up above their body, and they they drifted, their spirit or whatever, drifted through a wall where another surgery was going on in the other room. And in that room... They were amputating a man's leg. Well, not only did they not, uh, not only did they report the amputation, but a really interesting thing, they said they took the amputation, the, the leg, and they put it in a in a yellow bag. Now I picture like a yellow garbage bag, but they put the leg in the bag. And that can be verified or not, whether, you know, and if they know it's during the surgery, they'd have to know that, that the other person's surgery was going on at the same time. And if the leg was, and they, oh, no, 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 he had open heart surgery. Well, that would be, that would be, that would falsify the NDE report. But if the guy in the next room had his leg removed, and if you say, hey, what did you do with the leg? Oh, we put it in a bag. What kind of bag? Plastic bag. What color plastic bag? Yellow. Now you're starting to get the, uh, corresponding data and uh, especially when these are observed with with no measurable brain or heart knowledge that is a pretty good report i think of there being some consciousness after the apparent death of the body hmm. yeah there's a lot of interesting stuff you bring up there um I saw some questions in the live chat as we keep going. We are going to probably hopefully have the last 15 minutes-ish to answer some questions at the end. But as we keep on going, um, so you talk about how all throughout these academic journals and these books, we see near-death experiences happening. And I think a lot of skeptics would typically grant this fact, at least the ones who are educated in the topic. But I think I think the question is, what do these mean? What do these prove? So when, so when you see these near-death experiences in, in, these re, in this research, to you, what does that mean? Like, what's the meaning behind this? What does this show you about uh, the reality in the universe that we live in? Well, uh, that's a good question. Uh, I do not, let me tell you what I don't think they show. Near-death experiences do not show that a particular religion is true. Um. <clears throat> Hindus, there are Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim, Jewish, Christian, NDE reports. And all of those groups can stand shoulder to shoulder. A Hindu could stand with a Christian and they could agree that there's an afterlife. 
Now, they won't agree on whether Hinduism or Christianity is true, but they will agree that there's an afterlife. And if you take a major atheist like um, Bertrand Russell, uh, the famous British atheist, the last generation, a philosopher and mathematician, he said the two, the two main views of atheism, the two main positions, are there is no God and there is no afterlife. Well, if a Hindu and a Christian agrees that there's an afterlife, that would seem to be a big blow to atheism. So I think that's the main thing Indies do. Let me repeat. They don't they don't say that a religion is true, but they just say that the atheistic naturalistic would be the philosophy. The naturalistic uh, theory of no afterlife would seem to be incorrect because there's verifiable consciousness after the death of the body. And even if the naturalist says, well, come on, the person's not dead yet. Well, fine, but what do you do with no measurable heart and brain waves? And by the way, sometimes these go on for a long time. The no measurable heart and brain waves can happen for 30 or 40 minutes. And you're going to say, oh, well, your brain's going to be wasted. But it's not. When it comes back, it's not. So the, 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 these go on for a minute. So then maybe the next person could say, all right, all right. So you're, you're, you're somewhere and you're seeing something in another dimension in the room. Um, maybe, maybe you're going to pass out of existence in a half hour or an hour. But there are reports. These are these are special evidential ones. But there are reports that can even uh, extend for years. That would take another. That would take another kind of explanation. But these are not. They're not over in five minutes or two minutes. So, if I were an atheist and I were really committed to my atheism, NDEs would make me very uneasy. In fact, I had a debate with an NDE on, on NDEs um, not long ago, and uh, I have I produced a list of 300, or at least I cited, 300 evidential cases. I, I divided them into five categories, five categories of NDE evidence. So my only point is, just about the time the atheist says, oh, because you have two or three of these, I don't agree, or because they're two or three minutes long, who cares? Well, they're not two or three. There are hundreds of them. Again, this book, uh, up to 21 million Americans claim they've they've been there and done that. And, and it's not two or three minutes. Some of them are quite long. They can give blow-by-blow -blow descriptions of what happened during their resuscitation. And... Again, with you can bring so many cases in with 500, you can bring so many cases in that you can come up with an evidential case that answers just about any question there is. So again, just to say it in summary, I would be, I would be really ill at ease if I were an unbeliever. I was a, if I were a naturalist, and I'm always going around poo-pooing religion, and then all of a sudden. You start getting 300 of these cases and 21 million people overall who claim to have been there. Um, that would bother me. Hmm. So, do, do you think uh, NDEs point to? I know you said it doesn't point to a specific worldview and say uh, this is true, but do you think they might provide evidence for specifically either like, um, obviously, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, so theism, or is it just kind of like a broad sense there has to be something uh, beyond just the materialistic framework of our universe? 
I think it's beyond the materialistic framework of this universe. I think it's another world. Now, the guy could stop me right there and he could say, what do you mean another world? I mean, what? Did you see The Wizard of Oz? Did you see uh, Bilbo Baggins? Did you see Aslan the Lion? And he could be saying it like with a smirk. But let me give you an example. If, if you're in a car accident and you're watching the people take your body and you're unconscious and they're watching you load it into an ambulance. By the way, I've had a couple cases where, you know, ambulances have numbers, often have numbers on top so they can be tracked by helicopters. You have to be airlifted. And I've had, I've heard two reports of people who gave the number on the top of the ambulance who knew what number it was like, like 121 or 67. They gave the number. But if you're watching your body being taken away in an ambulance, that, yeah, you haven't seen the wizard. You haven't seen Aslan. You haven't seen Bilbo Baggins or Gandalf. But the point is, when these people start talking to their family members, I have a guy, one of my PhD students, he fell out of a tree, landed on his head. They thought he was dead. He fell a long ways and landed on his head. His mom thought he was dead. And he's up above her head. He's going, Mom, Mom, stop crying. I'm fine. And she's still hugging him and pulling him up herself. He was 15, 14 or 15. She was hugging him. Mom, Mom, I'm fine. Now, even that description, if it's true, would be another world. Because he's talking to his mom. She can't see him. She doesn't say, well, honey, if you're alive, come down out of that tree and we'll know you're okay. No, she doesn't know he's up in the tree. She can't hear him. And he can report all his data. So that right there is another world. We, we would call it another dimension. We call it another dimension. But life in another dimension, I would think, would be rather disarming to an atheist. For sure. Uh, so what do you... What do you see in the the eight for the reaction to this idea of near death experiences from like atheists or skeptics? Um, do they do they accept near death experiences typically that they happen? Like, what, what's the reaction that you've seen to? Um, we talk about these tens of thousands of cases of near death experiences, or millions. Um, I've seen some pretty affirmative responses sometimes. I have an, an atheistic buddy. I won't give his name. Actually, he's an agnostic, but I won't give his name. He's one of the best known agnostics in the world. He publishes regularly in favor of agnosticism and against Christianity. And he he's one of the first ones that gave me one of the, my earliest reports of NDEs. And he gave me this, uh, in those days, a reel-to-reel -reel cassette, a little uh, cassette tape that you pop in a tape recorder. And he gave it to me and he said, listen to this uh, lecture of this guy who had a near-death experience. He said, he said, this is really incredible. He said, and then he said, you know what? I'm open to this. I'm open to these kind of experiences. But he was an agnostic who didn't believe in Christianity. So that's one. Um, I debated an atheist. I've debated a, I've debated a number of people. But one atheist who's a specialist in near-death experiences um uh, after it was over uh, this guy told a friend of mine that uh, he doesn't think he did very well in the debate his case that's just what he told a friend friend told me now, i mean i'm friends with this guy so i'm not nobody's angry at anybody but what i mean is it's got to stop and make you think 
Now, now I do not, this next point, I do not know if this is true or not. Somebody sent me an email and quoted Bart Ehrman, his new book on the afterlife. I have not seen this for myself. I want to make that plain. But if I can paraphrase the quote he sent me, Bart Ehrman said something like, um, I don't believe in hell because hell is not in keeping with God's attributes. He said, now, now he says, Bart Ehrman has said, I understand. He says, sometimes he called himself an atheist. Sometimes he thinks of himself as an agnostic. But he said, I don't believe in the afterlife. But he said, I really don't like hell because I think it's inconsistent with God's attributes, even though I don't believe in God. If God did exist with attributes, I think hell wouldn't exist. He said, I'm more open to heaven. And then I think he said, I think, I'm paraphrasing a book I haven't read, but I was sent a quote. I think he said, I would really like there to be a nice afterlife. I hope there is one, but I don't believe in it. So those are some of the responses of people. I've got a, a, a lecture over my shoulder. It's up here on my, my shelf here, uh, right, right behind me. And it is one of the best-known atheist psychologists in the world. And right in the middle of this lecture where he says the afterlife is a bunch of baloney and he doesn't think it's true, he stops in the middle of the lecture and he says, you know, I hope there's a nice afterlife. That would be really nice, but I don't believe it. And, he, and he's an atheist, a psychologist. So I don't know. I think a lot of people are open. They're especially, I can tell you this, if they're going to be open, they're going to be open to nice ones. They're not going to be open to demons and hell and so on. But I'll also add, maybe this will be intriguing and you want to follow it up. Um, I don't think when religious people, including Christians, when they report, I saw an angel, I saw Jesus, I saw Shiva for a Hindu, I saw Buddha for a, for a Buddhist, um, I, you know, I saw an angel, and they're, they're a Muslim or a Jew, and they say, I saw an angel, and I'm going to go back to heaven one day. When they say those things, um, there's no backup for those kind of identifications. There's also no backup for the hell cases. About 20% of NDEs are hell cases. If not hell, I don't know if you want to call them hell. That would be the short, short term. They're called, in the literature, they're called distressing experiences. And they're about 20%. And um, I don't think there's any evidence for people saying, for identification. I don't think there's any evidence to say, I saw Jesus, I saw Shiva, I saw Buddha, I saw an angel, I saw heaven, I saw pearly gates, I saw hell. If, because that's not where you get the evidence. If you see a 12-digit number up above your head and you're the only one who could see it and you report it and it's correct, that's... That means you can get information in this world. But I don't know if they're right when they say they're with Jesus. And they go, well, I don't care what you believe. This is what they'll say to you. They'll say, I don't care what you believe. I know I was with Jesus. And I go, hey, if you were with Jesus, more power to you. But but I can't tell that because I don't have evidence for it. So um, I think we can only have evidence for and make our theories around what is cooperated by the the evidence we have. Hmm. Therefore, so, you can tell all these nice stories of uh, 
tunnels and lights and angels and comfort and so on. You could tell those things. You could even say, I saw a loved one, and I know it was my loved one, because I don't know who Jesus, I, I've never seen Jesus, but I, I know my grandfather. There's a lot of those cases, too. But I don't know that you saw your grandfather. Well, that's because you weren't there. I was there. Great. How do you know? What's the evidence that you were with your grandfather? Hmm. Um, they can just say, I was there, and I know who he is, and we talked. That's good enough for me. But I can't, I can't write that down as evidence. I can't say you saw your grandfather because, you know, there's no, if you could come back with a photograph or, you know, I'm being facetious, but if you could show me you're with your grandfather, but how do you do that? I don't think you can identify persons like that. Hmm. So you think that as Christians, oh, um, you think as Christians, um, I've heard a little bit of like, audio in the background can um okay i think it's good now so as christians when when we're talking about near-death experiences do you think it's best to kind of bring up these cases that are more uh documented things that we can match up with things that were around a person that had an nde um things like that rather than like these like broad cases where it's like oh i went i went to hell or i saw jesus or i saw a tunnel like things like that yeah, I think, I think you have to stick with ones, to use some of the examples I did, where you're on floor two in the hospital, but your family in the waiting room is on floor six in the hospital, and you kind of zip over to them, and you can tell what somebody says. There are very specific examples of jokes being told to, to loosen people up, uh, to a doctor who comes in and gives them a report. Those kind of things can be verified seven floors away. People see things. They see, um, I'm just making this up, this, this kind of case. But to give an example, let's say you're watching your family five floors away in the hospital and a nurse comes in and I know this sounds ridiculous, but these things happen. Let's say she's got a name tag on uh, and it says Jennifer and she brings in a cart. She pushes a cart and she says, does anybody want water, Coke, or coffee? And people start taking the Coke and water and coffee. Well, later you can say, I saw her come in. And you can say, well, that happens at that hospital. They bring drinks. I can say, well, okay, what if I know her name? Well, that's a little bit different. But I saw the name tag. It's Jennifer. <clears throat> so some of the cases are way more explicit than other cases. Some of them like I said, the 12-digit numbers, some of them, or the yellow bag for the amputated leg, some of them are very specific pieces of information. Hmm. So we have so much evidence um, for near-death experiences. You're talking about millions of cases. A lot of these cases you can match up with things that um, seem really unexplainable in a naturalistic framework. So why do you think so many people are still committed to naturalism? Do you think it's like issues with NDEs? Do you think it's something beyond that? I know as Christians, we could look at something like Romans one um, to kind of answer this question. So, so why do you, how do you look at the response to, um, with people still committed to naturalistic frameworks to um, when, when, when they deal with NDEs? Well, Zach, let me ask you a question. Um, are you married? I'm not married. Okay, let me give you an example then. Let's say you and I are best friends. We're about the same age. 
um, and we're uh, you were best friends, and I'm married, and you're not, and I think you would be a lot happier if you were married. And you just laugh and you say, I don't even know anybody. And you go, well, I do. And I'd like to set you up with a blind date. And you go, I don't like blind dates. You go, yeah, but would you let? Would you take my word for it since we're best friends? All right, all right, let's let's try a blind date. And let's say you meet this person and you have a fantastic time. And you end up going out a few more times. And you tell me after three or four times, you say, this is the classiest person I've ever met in my life. If I were going to get married, I would like to marry this person. I would like to know that person. Uh, I'd like to marry that person. And I'd say, well, Zach, I'm your best friend. Can I be your best man? And you say, no, you're not listening. This person is really, really neat. And if I were going to get married, I'd want to get married. But I'm too young. Or I don't make enough money. Or if we went ahead, if we got married and we got pregnant, um, how am I going to support? That's going to be issues. So, yeah, you're right about the person and the blind date, but not right that I want to get married. Now, the point I'm making is there are two little words in marriage. It's called, the words are, I do. And when you say I do, you know the words, for better or worse, richer or poor, in sickness and health, till death do we part. I do is a is a legal commitment. And things could happen a week later, two months later, three years later. That could be real issues. But as long as that person's living, you're married. But maybe you got cold feet, as we say. And even though we're best friends, you don't want to get married. I, the world is full of, filled with people who don't want to believe or who don't want to say, I do. Now, the reason I use that example is I think in Scripture, the word for believe, when people come to Christ, the New Testament, the word is the most common word is believe or faith. It doesn't mean, oh yeah, I believe George Washington is the first president of the United States. The word for faith in Greek, uh, pistuo or pistis, the word is a very strong term, and it means to walk in somebody else's shoes. In fact, uh, two different New Testament authors say that. They'll say to come to Jesus means to walk in his shoes. So I'm asking for an I do to Jesus. And I think I, it was a long story there. Sorry about that. But that's my that's my best answer to that question. A lot of people don't like I do commitments. And they might even think, wow, wow, I'm going to think about this. This is really good. The evidence is really special. You really got me here. I'm going to, I promise you, I'm going to spend some time on this. But what you're not doing is saying I do. And I think. I think that happens a lot. A lot of people can't stand. They've been hurt. That's real common, the problem of evil. They've been hurt. They think Christians are louses. They've grown up in really rough circumstances. They think God should have given, gotten them out of it. They have a disease. They think God owes them a living. Uh, whatever it is, maybe they're not bothered, but they just don't want to say, I do. So I don't think evidence, I think we're wrong to think that evidence forces people into the kingdom of God. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great analogy. It kind yeah, of lays help? Out. Yeah, that's a great analogy. It lays out. Um, even though I'm skeptical that I will meet someone that I would want to go on more than a few dates with. <laughs> um, so let's go to a couple of even though, you're, even though you're even though you're skeptical, what? I said I don't know if I'll meet someone that I want to go on more than a few dates with. I'm I'm skeptical about that part. 
but you could, but it st could still be right that you would say they're fantastic people, <laughs> but you don't want to say I do. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I think. And it's you know, a there are a lot of there are a lot of people in this world. Well, there's a lot of people in this world. Think about it. There's a lot of people in this world who think that Jesus is the most fantastic person who ever lived, mm -hmm. but they don't want to get married. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. Yeah. For sure. Uh, let's look at a couple of objections to near-death experiences before we go to Q&A. If you're listening and you have some questions, we do have a little bit of time at the end to answer a few questions. Um, but one of the most common things was, I, pu I put out a tweet yesterday just kind of gauging what um, some of my non-Christian, more atheistic followers, what their thoughts were about near-death experiences. And one of the things that I saw over and over again was this idea that it's just possible that weird things happen when the brain runs out of oxygen. Um, it's just kind of like weird things happen. Your experiences may be weird things, but that's just, we don't know. But it's not helpful to say that there's some supernatural element to this uh, whole experience. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, near-death experiences can answer those kind of questions without any issue. And, and here's, what, here's, the, here's the issue. It's kind of a line in the sand. If you give me a medical explanation... And I'll even give you names for these things. One of them is called temporal lobe seizure. You have a seizure. One of them, uh, you could have an hallucination, right? You could have an hallucination. You could have oxygen deprivation, which is what you described. All of these things are very common. But here's the point. If you have an hallucination, that means what you're seeing is not really there. If you have oxygen deprivation, if you have temporal lobe seizure, can you see a 12-digit number up above your head in the rafters when you're lying on a bed? Can you see a car accident outside your hospital room when there's no windows in your hospital room? Can you see what your, your family's doing on the seventh floor above your head while you're in surgery? Can you tell the doctor? In one of the cases in that book I mentioned, the, um, the soft does not die, there's a case where the doctor told the patient after the surgery, no, 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 we checked for that. We had that machine right there in the room. You're fine. And the person said, I don't care. You didn't check for it. The doctor said, we checked for it. The machine is in the room. And the person said, yes, doctor, the machine is in the room, but it was not plugged in. The, the machine was not plugged in. And the doctor said, I'm going to check that. And he went down the hall and checked. The machine was not plugged in. See, if they caught it during the surgery, someone would say, oh, doctor, the machine's not plugged in. Well, for crying out loud, plug it in. But they didn't know it till after the surgery. How do they know it? Anybody else would have plugged it in. But the person overhead saw that they didn't get the reading they wanted. So when you keep adding these cases up with data, you can keep saying no, 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 no. But if I were saying no, 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 I would be getting very uneasy because there's something there that I don't want if Bertrand Russell is true, e either God or an afterlife. If there's an afterlife, I don't want that. Um, so another thing that I, I saw brought up was this idea that near-death experiences in some sense of the way could be coldish. Um, maybe like we have, it's almost like a satanic thing. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what the objection was, but as I was looking through objection, this was something that was brought up. So I'm curious, do you think, how do you respond when someone say that a near-death experience could just be a coldish thing? Well, first of all, I mean, I would ask some questions. 
on what grounds would somebody say it's occultic? What's the occultic element? There are cases where NDEs bring people to Christ. I can show you cases where people become Christians in an NDE. Why would Satan do something? Forget coming to Christ. Why would Satan do something that makes you believe in afterlife? Why would he want to fire you up and make you live righteously, quote-unquote, with an afterlife? Here's another one. Um, I would like some earmarks. What what is about the what about the NDE shows that it's uh, satanic? Uh, I think the positive results uh, would refute that. That oftentimes it makes a person committed to other people. It makes them committed to live. You could say, well, what if Satan uses it to keep them from coming to Jesus? They become better people, but they don't come to Jesus. Okay, fine. What about the NDEs that do involve people coming to Jesus? And there are a lot of those. A lot of those. So I, I don't understand how Satan would be involved. And then here's another here's another critique for you. Let's just say uh, Satan is behind it. Let's just say that. Uh, the problem with saying Satan's behind it is naturalism is still false. Naturalism is still false in that view because there's a supernatural world. Satan is an evil angel. They can't believe in that. So what's the atheist going to say? Maybe Satan did it? That doesn't help. It makes him wrong. So it's not it's not going to help naturalism at all. Hmm. So what do you think about another objection here? Uh, Near-death experiences may be some product of our mind. Um, this is kind of like a atheism of the gaps almost, where they'll say the brain is a mystery. Consciousness is still a mystery. We don't have all the answers. So, But we're going to figure it out. Near-death experiences do have some sort of like naturalistic explanation. So like... How do you respond to that? Again, <clears throat> I'm going to go to the line of the sand type illustration. If if we're going to figure out someday, or particularly the brain is mysterious and we just don't know what it can do, how come I can see something? There are cases where people report what's going on in their home during uh, this state. What about what about a mysterious brain experience? allows me when the machine says the brain is apparently not working how can i report this is an actual case how can i report what my family is having for dinner back in our home while i'm in the hospital how can i report that there's nothing in faulty brains goofy brains we don't know what brains can do someday we'll be able to do it that you know there's nothing there that says a brain that's not working can tell me something that's happening a mile away that's ridiculous. Here's another one. What if I said, okay, Zach, here's my explanation. I don't like Einstein. And I don't like Einsteinian physics or post-Einsteinian physics. And you go, well, I'm a physicist and you're stupid. You know, if you say it to him. And I go, no, 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 Zach. Someday we may find out that post-Einsteinian physics is wrong. So you can't, you can't go into it right now because in 20 years they're going to find out it's wrong. We have to make decisions on what we have right now. And if you make decisions on what we have right now, you've got to ask yourself, what about the afterlife? What about it? If not, that's some tough decisions. I don't think these questions mostly are about the, the brain being able to explain it. But the brain can't explain most of these NDEs on a good day. They can't explain a good. They can't explain it on a good day. Let's say there's a there's a window in your hospital room. Can you see your home a mile away? 
And can you see inside your home a mile away? No. All right, then quit goofing around. You're not doing a very good job explaining these things. Hmm. So I, I, I think, I do think it would be very unnerving to be an atheist and have these experiences. Yeah, for sure. Um, so another objection, we'll probably, got, probably get through one or two more here. And one, one of these is the idea that NDEs are just some sort of like the argument from personal experience. Um, so, I mean, atheists have claimed a long debunk everything that involves personal experience. There's no reason to believe in God. Um, and NDEs fall into that category. So, so what are your thoughts on this idea? Do, do you... Do you get the point by now? And I know you're just posing objections, but do you get the point by now, or your listeners, that that is the line, that's one of the line in the sand type arguments again? Mm -hmm. And the problem with personal experience arguments, I'm skeptical myself, but you a personal experience. But you know what I'm going to say? A personal experience, and you go, well, give me evidence, and I'll say I can't. It's personal. <laughs> but what? But if I can give you evidence for it, it's now it's not personal subjective experience if i can give you evidence for it now it's now objective data so mm -hmm. it's not a personal experience argument it's something i saw but you know people people get capital punishment today from things people see so you know it you know any kind of subjective kind of explanation about what brains do or people who lie or people who see hallucinations all those kind of explanations do not tell you what happens in your home a few miles away from the hospital mm. the night that you were tied to a machine in the hospital they know you're in the hospital because you've been there for a couple of days already that's it's just not going to work and the fact that they would come up with all these things shows you how ingenious they would be rather than saying i do you know now now as far as you say well you you already said they don't prove christianity no they don't but if you ask me what I would do from there, I would say, well, if there's an afterlife, if we already know there's an afterlife, let's talk about the resurrection. Because the resurrection is a species of afterlife. There's data. And it does say that Christianity is true. So I would, I would go straight for the resurrection to see what kind of afterlife exists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny because I didn't notice this as much when I was gathering these objections and kind of prepping for this. But as we've gone through these, I've noticed how similar these questions are that I brought through the objections, but just a little bit different wording. Um, so we'll go through one more objection here. Kind of a similar thing, a little bit different. Um, and this is the idea. I saw this. I, I'm pretty sure this was a Christian that poisoned me this question when I was looking through um, the argument from near-death experiences. And they'll say that since in a near-death experience happens when we're alive and it's some sort of like conscious experience. What's the difference between a near-death experience if it's a conscious experience when it happens versus like when we're alive and conscious right now? But again, Zach, it's the exact same thing. Um, what if you have evidence for that? Mm -hmm. You're conscious right now. Okay. But what if you have data for what's going on in your friend's house because right where you're talking to me, you're seeing the text message. So you, you can see what happens. Or how about this? You pick up your phone, and there's a text message from your friend from 30 minutes ago. And he says, where are you? You're supposed to be at my house. And you said, oh, I forgot. It's on your phone, but you know we were doing this from, from, from this one hour. So, again, it's that line of the sand thing. You don't get, you don't get evidence. You, you don't get 
experiences with evidence from that stuff. Virtually every objection, I think every objection you've raised, except maybe the satanic one, that one backfires for the naturalists. But uh, all the experiences uh, fall apart when it comes to evidential cases. And that's why I use, I only use evidential cases. And that's why I have 300 of them that I use in debates. Hmm. All right, so we will transition here. I thank you for your answers and kind of answering the same question in different tones for the past like 15 minutes. Um, we'll do a, <laughs> right. <laughs> just trying to cover all the ground so I don't have anyone saying, why didn't you ask this question? Um, so, you know, uh, we'll, we'll go to some Q&A. That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, so we'll go to Q&A for the last few minutes here. If you have questions, I think we'll have time for a few more so you can add them in the live chat. Um, this is something completely off the t off the ground from what we were talking about here um but i saw this from a few people uh london theist asked this they say i'd love him to speak briefly on the shroud i'm sure i'm sure they're referring to the shroud of turin um so what, what are your thoughts on the shroud of turin well i co-authored a couple books on the subject years ago and I, i'm not telling you about me but my co-author was one of the scientists who did the 1978 testing in Italy. And um, I don't say the shroud has to be the burial garment of Jesus, but I think there's a lot of intriguing evidence that the shroud could be the resurrection. Uh, the the man in the shroud, I'll tell you what, here's a case. Any listeners who, who are interested in the shroud, I will go to the website www.shroud.com the website is owned and operated by one of the scientists from the 78 investigation. His name is Barry Schwartz. He's Jewish. He is not a Christian. And he believes the evidence points to the man in the shroud is crucified. He's dead. He's Jesus. And Barry is open. I think I'm being fair to say that. He's a very fair guy. Barry, Barry's open to it being the, the image of the shroud being caused by the resurrection. He hopes they're, they're going to be able to nail another method and discover what that is. But as it stands right now, by far the most, the most published data, the scientific data, argue that the image on the shroud is uh, radiation. It's a radiation, like when you get an x-ray, and you're, that's your broken arm on the x-ray. Well, uh, you know, he, he would love to prove it's not the resurrection. But the evidence right now says it very well could be. But back to what Barry does believe. He's Jewish. It is a burial shroud. It's a Jewish burial shroud. He thinks the man buried in his Jesus is crucified. He's dead. That much Barry Schwartz thinks is true. And the shroud has also brought people to Christ. The shroud. Now, that's more specific than Indies. Now, I would say... The evidence is more specific because it's Christian evidence. But personally, I'll make some people upset when I say this. Personally, I think the evidence for NDEs is stronger than the evidence for the shroud. But I do think that the evidence for the shroud is can be is very good. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Uh, another question from Daniel Apologetics. They say, um, how many peer-reviewed NDEs journals is are you, Dr. Habermas, aware of? Well, I have... I have copies of articles or on my computer or hard copies of journal articles in many medical and psych journals. In fact, a good buddy of mine, uh, he's probably the leading near-death scholar in the world, uh, Bruce Grayson, 
he is a brain scientist just retired from he's a psychiatrist so um as i said a brain specialist and he has published over 100 articles in peer review he's published well over 100 articles but he's published over 100 articles in peer-reviewed medical and psych journals so to answer your friend's question there um that's a lot one guy bought 100 articles in psych and medical journals now here, here's my question who's publishing these things who thinks they're good enough to to go in these journals now they're not all positive you can be negative about them but but the point is people are publishing them in in, in uh, journals so i think that's pretty impressive there are there are hundreds of articles like that like i said this one right here let me look real fast all these articles have been published in medical journals and this one alone has over a dozen over a dozen cases over a dozen articles so and they're for medical medical journal hmm. Hmm. um from a medical journal i think they're from uh missouri medical journal anyway go ahead yeah, I was just going to transition to the next question, but you're totally good. Uh, another question comes from Ethan Silva. Uh, he's referring to near-death experiences here. He says, could this point to an astral um, plane? Uh, this I actually had to look this up because I was a little confused what the concept was. But for those of you who are like, what's an astral plane? Um, just reading a basic definition. It's a world of celestial fears crossed by the soul and its astral body on the way to being born and after death. And is generally believed to be populated by angels, spirits, or other immaterial beings. Um so what are your thoughts on this question from Ethan Silva? Well, I, I wouldn't talk much about astral planes because that's the same category to me is someone who says I was with an angel. I saw hell. Um, Jesus talked to me. It's that same kind of thing. I would say I would say don't don't use examples where you don't have evidence. So how do you know you're on an astral plane? How do you know they exist? How do you, and sometimes people say things that sound like evidence, but they're not, they're not hard and fast evidence. So I'd say you don't even know what's there. Secondly, what if what you're calling an astral plane is what somebody else calls heaven? You know, so you still have to deal with what's there, but I wouldn't call it an astral plane myself because I don't have any data for an astral plane. I don't have any data for that kind of experience. Usually that phrase astral uh, plane is used in uh, uh, sort of parapsychological language. And I'm, again, I'm going to ask for the information, not for how do you know you had a near-death experience in the hospital. I'm going to ask how do you know you were on another astral plane? That's where I want the evidence, and that's going to be the problem. Hmm. Uh, we'll go through one more question here. Um, from the unapologetic apologists, uh, they say, um, I've heard an atheist say if someone has an ND in India, they see an Indian God. If someone has an ND in the East, they see a Muhammad. If someone in the West has an ND, they see Jesus. Um, so I think we're going back to that idea that uh, they're, they're contradictory in religious beliefs. So what are your thoughts on this uh, proposition here? I just say thank you for the testimony. Uh, I've got friends who are not Christians. And when they tell me what they believe, I listen politely. If they want to discuss it, we discuss it. If they don't, we don't. Uh, all that is is a testimony. But if you don't have evidence that you saw an Indian God or Muhammad or Jesus, if you don't have evidence, then don't tell me you saw 
and you know Shiva or Jesus. I can listen to your testimony, but it's only a testimony. I see you're back to your. Uh, with that, you're, you're talking about personal experience type arguments. If you don't have data, if you don't have data for it, then we can't we can't judge what the person's saying. Hmm. All right, that's all the questions we'll get through, Doctor Habermas. I really appreciate your time. Is there anything that we didn't mention that you want to bring up before we wrap things up here? No, I, I think if I, were, I think two things I would say I already said, but I would say them again. Um, I would say, first of all, there's things that NDEs don't do. An NDE doesn't tell you if you met a person. It doesn't tell you who you met or it doesn't tell you what religion is true. What it tells you is naturalism is wrong. Naturalism is mistaken. Okay, so it doesn't tell you which religion is true. If somebody says to me, okay, fine, but let me know. I thought your earlier question, you said about uh, Satan. Um, and I said, well, number one, you don't have any idea. We don't have any proof for it being Satan. Number one, there's good consequences. Number two, good consequences come from it. But here's another one. You already have a, you already have life after death, and you're not going to please the atheist with that one, so you're going to lose on that one too. But still, for that person, I'm going to say, Hey, time out. So we have evidence for, for near-death experience, so we have evidence for an afterlife. But if I go to the resurrection, which, which is great evidence, now we're going to talk about evidence for Christianity. So I'll tell you which road, which, which yellow brick road you should be on and which emerald city we should be going toward because I have a bunch of ar arguments in my disposal. It, it, to give an example, a lot of Christians like intelligent design arguments. A lot of Christians like the Kalam argument for God. None of those say Christianity is true. They just get a person thinking along the right road, and then they present Christian apologetics for which road it is. I would do that too, and I would do resurrection. That would be another evidence that the the uh, Satan argument is mistaken. Hmm. Um, Dr. Habermas, really appreciate the time. Uh, really enjoyed this interview. There's links in the description for everyone who wants to find more about Dr. Habermas's work. If you want to follow Here in Apologetics, you can follow us at AA Apologetics on Twitter, at Here in Apologetics on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. And if you enjoyed the show, please consider supporting it at patreon.com slash Here in Apologetics to be pushed towards part-time funding, which will allow us to make more and more content. Uh, Dr. Habermas, thank you for your time. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you, Zach. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. All right. God bless everyone. Have a good one.